You have not actually observed Passover until you have observed the festival of Shavuot. I'll never forget hearing those first word, those words the first time. Have no idea where, but uh, they had such an impact on me because it really started something uh, coming alive that redemption. I was, as most of you know, I grew up in a Baptist church and. Uh, nothing against the Southern Baptist Church. I'm thankful for uh, where I was at and the, the people that poured into my life and my Sunday school teachers and, and all of those people. But redemption was something that you walked down an aisle and you, 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 know, you met with one of the deacons and they prayed for you and you signed a card and then you got baptized and you became a member of the church. And well, that was just kind of, you know, okay, next week, hopefully somebody else will do the same thing. But uh, when we consider this concept that Passover, you have not observed Passover until you've observed Shavuot, it opens up a whole new thought process that redemption, though it is an event, it is also a process And that process is taking us out of a slave mentality of Egypt into a mountain in which we will receive instructions for life. Haksameach, everyone, as we enter into these last days of the counting of the Omer and the anticipation of Shavuot. You think uh, for, for our counting, Shavuot is this coming Sunday whatever date that is, but I think it's like the 27th or 28th of, uh, of, of May. Wow, it's May already. Uh, going to be June really, really fast. These days are flying by. But um, as, as we, we get together and, and anticipate this day, I, just thinking back to what the disciples must have felt, as it was only a few days ago that Messiah, they had been standing there, sitting there on the Mount of Olives, and all of a sudden they see him as gravity is no longer having an effect on him, and he's taken up into the heavens. An angel is standing there and says, Why are you looking up into the heavens? This same Messiah who is taken will, will come in like manner unto you. Uh, considering those days, consider it back to the Hebrews in the wilderness. And they're, you know, they're like 40 days or so uh, removed, 45 days ago now removed from Egypt. They've seen the parting of the Red Sea. They've, uh, they've gone through these events, but here's this mountain in front of them. They're receiving some instructions about the mountain of of what to do, of not to have relationships, of uh, what to do with their animals. Don't go past these boundaries. And uh, they, they don't know what's ahead of them. They don't know that this wondrous event is in front of them. They don't understand that they're about to be, could we say, married. They are there at the betrothal. They are there, at the, at the, standing at the mountain, about to receive their ketubah, uh, about to become a family. And it's, I, I think back every year at this time, the year was 1987, I guess it would have been, 1987, maybe 1998, uh, or 1988, 
the first time that I was uh, introduced to Acts chapter 2, verse 4. Now, growing up in a Baptist church, I'm going to be going to a little bit about the, the Ten Words, the Ten Commandments in a little while. I'm sure that I probably earned a popsicle or something because I could, uh, I could quote the Ten Commandments. I'm sure that my pastor, uh, Pastor Henderson, at some point had preached on those words many times. But I really doubt that, uh, that Pastor Henderson ever preached in a Baptist church on Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And it wasn't until I came to a Assembly of God church in Tucson, Arizona, Jim Brinkle. And uh, Pastor Brinkle had been an evangelist most of his life. He had about four messages, I think it was. Uh, one of them on salvation, one on the the uh, the rapture one of them on heaven and the other one on acts chapter 2 verse 4 and it didn't matter where jim started in the scripture he could start in revelation he could start in obadiah it wasn't going to matter uh, within about 2 minutes i could tell you which one of those four messages he was going to preach that day it was going to be good no doubt about that jim was a, an amazing evangelist and uh, taught me so many things. I appreciate what he did. Uh, he is is now of, 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 of blessed memory, as we would say. But uh, Jim would, the, I, I, he would come alive on the day of Pentecost, as we called it in the, in the, uh, the Assembly of God Church, as we all knew where we were going we knew what the altar call was going to be. We knew that we were going to have an experience on that day of the day of Pentecost. But we didn't really understand it because it, it was being preached that that was the, the day of, of Pentecost in, in the book of Acts. That was the birth of the church. And, well, as, as I just got finished recording with Barry Phillips, Foundations for Life. By the way, he's over, uh, well, Thursday night, and this gets released Thursday morning, so... If you don't hear this on Thursday, you missed it. He's going to be at Gates to Zion with Craig and Jan O'Dell with their their Shavuot service on Thursday night. But uh, I I remember uh, you know thinking back to it how we were taught that this was the the birthing. Well, I, I think they missed it. And I was just talking about Barry, to Barry about this the, the the birth of the church. Okay. It was in 323 CE. It was with Constantine. It, it was it was not here in the scriptures. It wasn't from Genesis to Revelation, okay? Uh, maybe you'd find where Constantine was in the maps section, but that's going to be about it. And so this birthing was actually in, uh, in the wilderness. It was at Mount Sinai. It was a group of people called the Hebrews, in which you and I, according to Romans, Ephesians, I know this is, this is basic, but we are adopted into that family. Oh, yeah. We have a, a new group of people to hang out with. And this is where the, the birthing of the family of Israel, a family that began uh, the seed of the family with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, and now the culmination of that at Sinai. And we could look at then the the empowerment of that group of people is in the book of Acts. What ties it together? 
What is it that, uh, that brings those two things together as Messiah? Why is it that uh, the, the Messiah was, was not crucified, was not raised from the dead until thousands of years after this event at Mount Sinai? Well, uh, to quote someone from a few years ago, that's a little bit above my pay grade. In fact, it's a lot above my pay grade because I don't understand. I don't understand the fullness of time verses and all of those things. I just have to look at it and say that in eternity, in the kingdom, somewhere along the way, uh, what I do need explained to me will be explained. And what I don't need to know, eh, I'm probably not going to need to know it. And I'm going to be, as I am today, perfectly content with the fact that there are things in the scripture that I don't need to know. But I want to take you uh, not to the book of Acts, chapter 2, but I want to go back to the book of Exodus. And I'm going to skip down a little bit to begin this, as I'm going to go to, um, well, let me, let me just set the stage just a little bit. The If we go back to chapter 19, we read about this, the, the gathering of the Hebrew, excuse me, the gathering of the Hebrews at Mount Sinai. They're placed into their order of encampment. They're given the instructions prepare for the third day. So in my counting of the Omer, which will be Shavuot on Sunday, you know, you go back three days and we're, we're in that little time frame of awe, of wonder, there, the, the, what's the talk in the camp? You know, what is going on there? As Moshe is telling the people, for on the third day, Yudhei will come down on Mount Sinai before the eyes of all the people, set limits, uh, tell them to wash their clothes, they're to, to not approach a woman, they're not to have any relationships during this time, all right, what are they doing? Well, they're not having relationships. They're not, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're getting cleaned up. But as they're doing this, imagine what the, the, the conversation is in the camp. They're, they're 40 something days removed from the Reed Sea that is, is splitting. They're, they, they've gone through the waters. They've gone to, to Mara. They've gone through the events. And, and here they are standing in front of this mountain thinking, what in the world could be from here? You know, what could top that? It is the, What's happening? Think about, think about this. What would have been going through your mind? What would have been your thoughts? What would have, what would you have been talking about if you'd be, if you would be, have been standing there and, and wondering what is going to happen here? Is, is that not to, to fast forward? 
is that not kind of what the disciples the uh, were were thinking in the days just after Yeshua? We we watched him die upon an execution stake. We watched as he was buried. We know that we've that he has been that he is that he was risen from the dead. Uh, Thomas, you know, what did it like? What was it like to stick your finger there in his side? Really, I mean, tell us that story again. You of little faith. I mean, you you really got a you know, the, the one that was called of little faith. Really. Um, I don't, I don't see Messiah scolding him. He's just wanting the reality of it all. The same as all of us. We're wanting the reality of all of this. And so they're, they're thinking, wait a minute, Shavuot is coming. What's, what's up? What's going on? What is going to happen to us next? And, and what are we doing today? <laughs> what are we doing well, I, you know, I wonder what I'm going to take. I mean, we're going to have a, a gathering, as, as we're having a gathering, and uh, we decided to, to not have a meal together. And, and that's kind of our thing with Life Assembly is originally we, we thought, well, we'll just have snacks, and that turned into more of a meal, and then it started turning into, and we just, and I'm not saying you shouldn't have a meal together. If that's that's what you want to do, that's fine. But for our group of people, we decided we did not want to have that is is that 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 thing that is there that can let's face it, folks, the meal can become a distraction. Now I know that there's wonders to breaking bread together to the you know how many crock pots can we fit into that kitchen? I got all that. But there is a point of it that it can become a distraction. Well, I got to get up and stir the food. I got we we need to. Okay, he's almost done with the message, so we need to go back and set the the plates out and all of these things. It can become a distraction. We decided not to have that. So for our Shavuot, we're having snacks and and drinks and and things like that. But you know, we we just decided we didn't want to go to that place. But is that what we're planning for? What what kind of snacks am I going to take? You know, am I am I going to take the what what is it? Or is it what is going to happen? What is going to be in that day? Uh, are we looking forward to with anticipation an event that the Father may have planned out for us in this time? Because I've seen something through the years that he, natu- he, he normally will meet us at our place of anticipation. If that is true, and I've seen it to be, that if we, are, if we come in with minimal anticipation, maybe we end with minimal results. If we come in with no anticipation, maybe we end up with, well, those Cheez-Its were good. But what, what if we were to come in with great anticipation and he does meet us at that place of anticipation? What could be, what is the possibility that our gathering 
could change the change our world, as it said in the book of Acts, turn the world upside down, which you, know, you may have heard me say this before, they didn't really, it was said of them that they turned the world upside down, but the world was upside down already, so they turned it right side up. Same today, you come in and you, you know, you, you teach people about what the scripture says, and they're like, wow, that's kind of upside down thinking, you're, 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 you're totally wrong. No, this is right side up thinking, you're upside down in the first place. So maybe we could come into a time in which we have such great anticipation that he empowered us to turn the part of the world that we influence right side up. Uh, maybe, just maybe. Well, so they, they gather there at that mountain, and I, I want to give you the kind of the end results. I want to skip down to Acts chat, or excuse me, Exodus chapter uh, 20 and verse 15 or 16, depending on your translation. All the people experienced the thunder, the lightning, the sound of the shofar and the, mount, and, and the mountain smoking. When they saw it, they trembled. Standing at a distance, they said to Moshe, You speak with us and we will listen, but don't let God speak to us or we will die. The reaction of the people in that day was they thought they were going to die. I would have probably had that thought back at the Reed Sea. You know, considering that there is a sea between this bank and that bank, and the river, the, this is, I know that, you know, maybe Ron Wyatt or those others were right, and it was a, a kind of a shallow place there, but it's still over your head, and it's a long ways between this side and that side. And I would imagine that the thought would have come through your mind at some point in time, who's actually holding that water back? And how long is it going to be held back? And am I going to be able to make it to the other side before it comes back? I I wonder if we've been let out here to drown us all. So this is a thought. And then they go tomorrow and they get sick because of the water. Uh, we're going to we're going to throw up so much that we die. So this is kind of something that's been in their heads along the way. He's brought us out in the wilderness to kill us, and then he takes us to Mount Sinai, and he does something that they weren't quite expecting. They hear his voice. Now remember that they'd come out of Egypt. And they were told that the guy sitting in the palace was God. Okay, Pharaoh had this God complex, the same as Antiochus Epiphanes and many others through, uh, through history, Hitler and others, that they thought themselves to be God. And so they were told, the people were told, that this person who is God, lives in that that big house over there, they had probably never heard his voice. And now, they're being brought into the the wilderness 
to Mount Sinai, and Moshe says, you're going to hear God's voice. I wonder if he sounds kind of like what we were told the Pharaoh sounds like. And then it happens. We have thunder. We have lightning. We have fire. We have smoke. Uh, some believe that they've actually found Mount Sinai. I, I have not been there. And it is said that it's still that, that top of it is black with the smoke. I, I don't know. I can, I can surely accept that that's a possibility. They hear this shofar that does not get weaker and weaker. <laughs> a few of us at our congregation, we have uh, numerous of us that sound the shofar. And, uh, the, the main one is the adults in the room. It's usually me and Chris and Daniel. And, you know, of course, we've got to have a little bit of, of uh, a competition here. And so me and Chris and Daniel, we're... Like, who can get the biggest, the, the, the deepest breath, and who can sound the shofar past anyone else? Well, the truth is, sometimes I'll make it, and sometimes one of the other guys will make it. But in the end, none of us continues, and the sound of our shofar gets weaker and weaker as we come to the end of air in our lungs coming forth. But on Mount Sinai, it's recorded that the sound of the shofar got louder and louder. I just hope that it was videotaped. I hope someone has that on, what would it be, his tube or something? Instead of YouTube, it'd be his tube. Uh, you know, somebody put it on Vimeo, whatever it is. It's, I, I want to see that event I've been in some pretty horrendous storms in, in life. Uh, tornado. I've, I was, uh, on a golf course in Arizona when it, it, at high altitude, when a lightning storm came over and you could feel the hair on your arm stand up. Um, you know, you, you kind of wonder in those moments, if I come to the end of my moments. Yeah. And so they must have thought, this is it. And then to top it all off, they hear the voice. They hear this voice coming. I, I, I tend to believe that it's kind of like it was said of the Shekinah in the, uh, in, in the Kodesh Kodeshim, the Holy of Holies, that the light, the light that was in that place, that was surrounding the Ark of the Covenant, it was as if the light came from everywhere, but yet the light came from nowhere. It was just there was. And it was would take us back to Bereshit Genesis, let there be light, and it was. It wasn't coming from anywhere. It just was. This was the first day. It was not until the fourth day that the light was then placed in something, and that was where it came from. Imagine going outside today. We go outside, and we, we look toward the sun. You're not supposed to look at the sun. Or you look at the moon, 
And you see the light coming from or being reflected from those heavenly bodies. Imagine walking outside and it just being light. It's like, where's the light coming from? It just is. What's the source? It just is. I think that's kind of how it was for the voice. Is it coming from the mountain? Yeah, but I'm hearing it from inside of me. I'm hearing it from, it's like coming from everywhere at the same time. That's how I feel the voice was. And what does he speak that calls them to tremble? What does it, what did it speak to cause them to come to this place of saying to Moshe, If he says another word, we're going to die. You go hear from him. Bring the word back. He spoke the ten words. He spoke the ten words. Barry caused me to stumble on this here just a little while ago in recording with him. That he said, what was what was the, the, the place? It was reverence. Reverence for the ten words. I wonder, in a day of, you know, I, I drive down the road here in Franklin and somebody has, has put up a billboard with the 10 words. Uh, interesting enough, it actually says Shabbat, uh, I think on that billboard, but this was put up by somebody that doesn't, probably would not honor Shabbat. It's another subject. Uh, you, you go to, there's a place not far from here, I'm told, that they have a park that has a monument on the, the Ten Commandments are, are written there. I've been to one in Arkansas that was such. Uh, we know of, of, uh, of, you know, the Ten Commandments in, in Oklahoma. When we were there, the whole, uh, people wanted to take the Ten Commandments out of the city square and, in the courtyard, in the courthouse, in the, the in the schools, and all of those things. But is it become the? And this is just a, just a question for you to consider. Are we so familiar with the Ten Commandments that that familiarity has caused them to lose their power in us? I didn't say that they've lost their power. Because if we go to Mark chapter 6, the, 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 the first part and the second part of Mark chapter 6, read this on your own, in which he could, Messiah could only heal a few people and do a little teaching in his hometown, but yet when he left his hometown, he, he, he healed everyone. And we, we know the scripture, a prophet is not known in their own house. This is, let me say this briefly. Be careful of whom you become familiar with. It is difficult. 
I know this in, in pastor congregation relationships. We can become too familiar with one another. When we lose the reverence for each other, we become too familiar and can actually breed contempt for one another. So, what was the difference in in Mark chapter 6? It's the same Messiah in both places. Yeshua did not change at all between Capernaum, Capernaum, and uh, in the Gadarenes, the area of the Gadarenes. He didn't change. When he went, what it says in Scripture is he went to the other side. When he crossed over the Jordan River there on the north of the Galilee, he didn't change into someone different. He was the same. The power flowing through him was the same on this side as it was on that side. So, is it possible that we have become, I'm just, just, I'm not, not pointing a finger at anyone, just asking the question for each of us. Have we become so familiar with the ten words that they've lost some of their power in us and through us? It's a thought. So something to, to think through. So with that, let's let's go back. I just want to go through and read uh, briefly these commandments together, preparing for this Shavuot. I am Yudhevave. This is chapter twenty of Exodus, verse two. I am Yudhevave, your Elohim, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the abode of slavery. Have we lost the awe and reverence? Of he who brought us out of our sin. It's been for me. Hmm, 35 years ago. Something like that. It's been a long time. Since I was brought out of slavery. Have I lost. Have I lost the, the, the reverence for that act that he did. Have I, have I lost the awe. For that. It's a question I think we need to ask. You're not to have any other gods before me. You're not to make for yourself a carved image of any kind of, any representation of anything in heaven above, on the earth beneath, or in the water below the shoreline. You're not to bow down to them or serve them. I, Yudhevave, your Elohim, am a jealous Elohim, punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but displaying grace to the thousandth generation of those who love me and obey my mitzvot. Do I have anything be, be in, before him? There's there's a, a translation of these verses of, you're not to put anything before my face. Is there anything really between my face and his face? Is there anything that I've elevated in my life above him? What is my excitement? Who is, who is, what is my, my passion, my excitement in life? Is it really my service unto him? Or is it the things of this world, the cares of this world? What, what is getting in the way of my, ministry and service unto him.
You're not to use lightly the name of Yudhevavhe, your Elohim, because Yudhevavhe will not leave unpunished someone who uses his name lightly. What's our conversation like using his name? OMG! Lose that. I would never post something. I don't, I'm not going to judge someone who does, but using his name. It's like the little boy, many of you have heard me say this before, the little boy who said, using his name in vain is when we're talking about him without thinking about him. It's not about a, a curse word, which I don't like to begin with, and and would would not in any way, I think we need to, to be people whose, whose language is above reproach. We need to have a different language than the world does. But you can, you can have a language that's free of, of curse words, but yet using his name lightly because we just kind of throw his name around. Um, I, I play golf with guys. If they sink a putt, it's like, hallelujah. No, no, I, 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 that's, that's not a place for, for God's name to be. Uh, he deserves greater respect for his name, because the way that I am using his name is a direct reflection on my attitude, how I'm looking at him, how I'm honoring him, how I'm reverencing him is because is is the the evidence of that. Part of the evidence of that is not just my actions, but also my speech. Remember the day, Shabbat. To set it apart for Elohim. You have six days to labor and do your work. And the seventh day is a Shabbat for Yudhevave or Elohim. On it you're not to do any kind of work. Not you, your son, your daughter. Not your male or female slave. Nor your livestock. And not the foreigner staying with you inside the gates of your property. For in six days Yudhevave made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in him in them. But on the seventh day he rested. This is why Yudhevave blessed the, the day Shabbat and separated it for himself. How are we doing? How are we doing at reverencing the Shabbat? It's a question each of us needs to ask ourselves. Am I removed from the, the revelation? Of Shabbat, that it's 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 become a little bit more commonplace than what it should be in my life. Yeah. I'll move on. Honor your father and mother, so that you may live long in the land which Yudhevavhe your Elohim is giving you. Uh, I've talked numerous times on on uh, the word father, my own father. Uh, had to figure it out. How do I honor? How do I honor somebody that was not real honorable? These these are issues that we have to deal with. But am I still striving to do that in my life? And, and, and what about not just the honoring of our physical mother and father, but what about the honoring of our spiritual mother and father? Abraham, Sarah, the, the, the patriarchs. We go back, the scripture says in, in Romans and in, in Yaakov, Abraham our father. Notice 
that it does is that this word Abraham our father was not spoken in Hebrews to Hebrews but was spoken in the book of Romans to those who were now adopted and grafted in to the to to that family Abraham our father how are we doing at reverencing the faith that he birthed for us hmm. questions thoughts things to ponder do not murder well i i, I doubt that uh that, that many of us out there have, are contemplating uh murdering someone but that's just with our with, with you know, that, that's the physical what about the what about the emotional? What about verbally? See, that word goes much farther than just the taking of a weapon and taking someone's life with it. We can destroy someone. I, I know in, in counseling with, with people through the years, how many, not just young people, but adults, adults in their 50s and 60s and beyond are still dealing with the murder that they experienced by people in their lives that were always putting them down. You'll never be good enough. Always, always, it's, it's something that, why is it? Why is it that as a human race that just these things continue? It goes all the way back to Cain and Abel. This thing of, of murdering, maybe without a rock, but with our words. Guilty. I, I, I have to stand in a place of guilt with that. Do not commit adultery. Again, you know, probably not many people out there. Hopefully, no one out there is is uh, is trying to figure out how to have relationships with your neighbor. But what about the the this? What about spiritual adultery? Well, it's it's you know it's it's just some Easter eggs. It's just a tree. Is that not a form of adultery? Is that not just the same adultery toward him? Or or can we not also, in a way, commit... What is adultery? It's the breaking of a covenant. Can we not do that with each other? The things that we do in our lives, through our lives, to each other, that, that harm the covenant that we're supposed to be walking in? Things to think about. Do not steal. Do not steal. Time. What about that? If, if you're you're one of these people that's well, we're, you know are always going to show up, well, they're always going to be the last one here. What have you done? You're stealing time. I, I just was. Uh, I got a message from Hanok a few minutes ago. He's up uh, today in the area of Shomron. He was telling me about this, the enhanced security in that area. 
I don't know what's going on right now there, but he said it's so difficult to work with a group. I don't know, I don't know where he, who he's with, but he said it's so difficult to work with a group who does not value time at all. What happens? He and I had a group this this past year, and I made the mistake of, of a friend of mine there, one of the, the people who works at a hotel, said, we've got some people from Russia, Ukraine, or somewhere, and said, could they join you for the day? They stole time from us because they were not in any way considerate of the schedule that we needed to keep that day. We ended up having to wait for them over and over and over again. What do we steal? What do we steal in life? Do not give false evidence against your neighbor. <laughs> do not lie. I got caught yesterday. I, uh, I, was, I was playing golf. And uh, I, I hit the second shot. was not, not one of my best shots. It was over in the leaves. And there was, I had other, three other guys I was playing, and so they weren't up, up even close, and I, I tried to hit my ball the, second, the third shot, and I a little duffed it, and, and it just went about two inches. And it's like, well, that's a stroke. So when I finally got the, the crazy ball into the hole, I, they, you know, I told the guy my score, and I, I said, well, that was a six. Got to the second hole. And it was bothering me so much because I knew that, that that shot was supposed to be... And it wasn't going to matter. Okay, We were playing a different game. that It didn't matter. It did not make any difference as far as the ending score of, of that little... That two-inch hit that I had. But I had, finally had to look at Bill and say, I, 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 didn't, I didn't tell you about that one. I actually got a seven. You know, that, that's not to, to draw attention to me because I, I fail in a lot of other places. But... Are our words important to us? Is truth important to us? Or is it, well, I can kind of, you know, the little white lies. Guys, a white lie and a black lie still have a similar word in them, and it's called lie. Okay? Do not covet your neighbor's house. Do not covet your neighbor's wife, his male servant, male or female slave, his ox, his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Quit trying to keep up with the Joneses. And don't covet what the Joneses have. Don't covet what they, you know. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, that some of our blessings are held back because we're jealous of someone else's blessings. Uh, maybe someone else is blessed in some way. To test me, to see if I will be jealous and covet, and, and maybe my my maybe my jealousy, maybe your jealousy, your coveting. Well, you know they've got a nice house, and I just don't have. They've got a nicer car. They, you know, all that stuff that we go through in our in our crazy times in our brain. Are those things holding back his blessings from us? Are, are, are we willing to take that chance? So maybe instead of coveting someone else's blessings we should be celebrating their blessings maybe maybe our celebrating someone else's blessing could be that which opens the door for our blessings so that's the the words that's the 10 words 
that that caused them to say, we can't handle any more of it. That's the place of awe and reverence that they were in that day. And maybe that would be a place for us to come back to. A woman stood on Mount Gerizim, the Mount of Blessing, standing in front of Yeshua, and said these words, in, in, in this dialogue, Yeshua said to her, the Samaritan woman, the Father is looking for those who would worship in spirit and truth. Is it possible that at Mount Sinai, they received the truth, but never but did not receive the spirit of the truth. And that's why they, they, they died in the wilderness. Is it possible that on, in the book of Acts chapter 2, they received the spirit and the truth. They were visiting, they were revisiting Mount Sinai. But yet, along the way, they would allow those such as Marcion and Constantine and other church fathers to take them away from this from the truth that takes us to is it the truth that brings us to the spirit or the spirit that brings us to the truth or maybe the answer is yes probably the answer is yes as i've studied revivals through the years and i've done so quite extensively from from cane ridge to to brownsville to toronto to uh the welsh revival to various places they're all known for a great move of the Spirit. But yet, it was not sustained. Why? Because there has not, to this day, since the book of Acts that I know of, there is not a revival that is based upon Spirit and Truth. Most have been based upon spirit. There has been been truth there, but not the whole truth. Not the reverence for the Torah. Is it time for a revival? A revival that would be based on spirit and truth. Yes, most revivals are known in the end for their abuses. That became a revival I was a part of for a few years, Brownsville. That became the essence of, of, of Toronto, of many other places. Why? Because the Father is looking for those that would worship in spirit and in truth. So if you and I, maybe some of us have been in those Assembly of God churches, uh, Church of God, whatever Pentecostal charismatic place, and they were known for, uh, for the, the moving of the Spirit, but yet it never really went anywhere. Because in every one of those places that I've known of, they were also telling us that the Torah was done away with. So after the, after the service on Shavuot, 
instead of opening the word of Leviticus chapter 23 and seeing that this was to be a Shabbat for us, and another day of rest, as is in my counting, as is this week, that both Shabbat and Sunday are both Shabbats. Instead, we went out to Furs Cafeteria and uh, probably had some pork. Probably had some shrimp cocktail. And so much for the spirit that we were walking in. Because we were not reverencing the truth that would bring us to the place that we would not accept the abuses that the enemy would try to bring in and pervert into that movement of the Spirit. Without the truth, without the Torah, any Messiah is a Messiah. I was reminded by, by Barry yesterday, a couple days ago, that the, the word Nahash, that is, uh, I've been teaching on this, this will actually be next month's CD, next month's message, the, the word Nahash, which is serpent, and the word Messiah, have the same gematra in Hebrew, the same numeric value in Hebrew. I think it's 358. We've been told about the anti-Messiah. Maybe the word pseudo-Messiah. That the enemy desires not to look like he's against Messiah, but to come as that angel of light and deceive those who would not be walking in the truth of the Torah and could not discern between the true Messiah and a false messiah. Gotta go. Shabbat Shalom, Shavua Tov. Have a blessed, prosperous week. And uh, Bezrat Hashem, see you again next week. Until then, be strong. Oh, by the way, I will, Barry and myself will be in Virginia. Uh, information, if you like the information, it's on Facebook. You can also email me. That will be on June 2nd and 3rd. All right. Until next week.